This is Gretchen McCulloch for the Garfield podcast, whatever it's called. <laughs> February 25th. Oh man, we should just put that as a bumper. That was very good. Jim Davis is my name. You're listening to Being Jim Davis, where we engage in the full field of discourse. My name is Christopher Winter, and I'm Jim Davis. My name is Jonathan Gibson, and I'm Jim Davis. My name is Gresham McCulloch, and I am Jim Davis's linguist alter ego. John Gretchen. Today is Thursday, November 16, 2017. And today we, oh my God, this number. Today we are reading the 14,396th ever Garfield strip. Um, and listeners, if you are not receiving this episode in your feed in 2056, but instead in a different year, that's not our fault. The time vortex hiccuped. You're getting it in your feed when you're getting it. It's just, that's the way it's happening. Um, oh, we didn't read it. We didn't write a synopsis. We didn't write a synopsis. That's fine. You know what? Now I'll do a postmodern. So uh, in today's Garfield, uh, is it too late for me to adopt like an old man voice for this? Like, <laughs> I feel like I need to do that for the conceit of this episode. Yeah, I mean, I think for, technically we should be in our seventies right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, I think it got off my lawn voice is entirely appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> um, In today's we... Garfield. <laughs> um, John, we're we're delighted to be joined on the program by uh, celebrity internet linguist Gretchen McCulloch. Thank you for joining us. Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> um. And we're here to talk about an, uh, Garfield that, weirdly enough, also involves the internet. Yep. Um, so, yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, with it, with everyone's. Uh, let, let's jump right in because I know I know our, our time is limited. Um, well, you know, because we have like the hypernet and so on uh, here in the future. But uh, this is this vintage Garfield strip where they're talking about online. Uh, of mm. course, everything's online now. Ah. But you know, this is this is the thrill blast from the past into 2017. With the I mean, that honestly kind of gets to a thing I wanted to ask you about. I mean, that you raised it in a, in a larger way. Panel one, John and Garfield are, are here in, in uh, listeners, what we used to refer to as nouveau cowpo, new counter position. John Arbuckle standing at left, Garfield standing at right. Garfield's behind the counter, not on the counter. Garfield has a mug of coffee. John has an old style laptop computer sitting there. John's looking at Garfield and he says, I have tons of online friends. To and his like, cat. Yeah, to his cat. To his, yeah. he's speaking to a cat. The, Garfield says nothing. <laughs> Garfield says nothing. The implication behind John's statement is that he's drawing a distinction between his online friends and his quote unquote real world friends. Oh, that is a good point. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear you speak on that because you notoriously um, uh, uh, laid out categories of like the different cohorts who joined the internet and what like the different kinds of internet people. Yeah, so one of the things I talk about in Because Internet is how the kind of when you joined the internet and what you were trying to do when you first went there affects 
how your attitude towards the internet even now and how you end up talking on there. And so the first sort of wave of internet people were joining online communities to try to meet other people like other people who be more interesting than the people you have reason to interact with IRL. Um, and so they're often kind of getting around, getting together around interest groups, um, things like, you know, even, like whether that's Usenet or whether that's LiveJournal. I mean, they're Usenet and LiveJournal, very different platforms, but in many ways, the kinds of ethos that they were creating when you were joining this of like, I'm going to make other friends with like SF fans or like people who like this topic or people who who are interested in this niche thing that I'm interested in. And that was sort of before the internet was as cool and as mainstream. And it was this like weird experience that you were gonna go and join. And then later the internet just becomes this thing of like, but of course you're online and everyone you know offline is also online at least somewhere. Um, and so people are not so much joining the internet to connect with online people, although some people still do that. They're joining the internet to maintain and deepen and just stay in touch with people they already know offline or they meet offline. So it's sort of the difference between like Facebook and the pre-Facebook social platforms of like, you're gonna link your, your real name. But Facebook existed in this world where the people who were the early adopters of Facebook were, were mostly people who had had uh, various instant messaging platforms, you know, AIM, right. MSN Messenger, and those had been linked to your like your other friends in middle school. And so, you like those it was not as weird to join facebook with your real name as it might have been for people who were only doing this online pseudonym where no one knows you're a dog sort of famous cartoon <laughs> on the internet no one knows you're a dog yeah. uh, of like you're going to go online and you're going to play with identity and you're going to be this you know have this pseudonym and you're not going to link it to your offline space and then but if you're a bunch of like you know 12 year olds who like all know each other's uh instant messaging information of course, you know that, like, you know, this person, like, hot pants fifty seven, is like the kid who sits next to you in math, math class. Like, you know that you're using a, a pseudonym, but it's to play with identity. It's not to like disguise your identity because you know that that's that annoying kid who sits next to you in math class. So yeah, online friends versus offline friends. I don't know how much of a distinction that is for people these days, or even was in twenty seventeen. Yeah. Yeah, I wondered, um, and and not to not to jump to the well, we'll just jump to the end. You know, panel one, <laughs> John Arbuckle says, "I have tons of online friends." Panel two, he looks sad now, and he says, "Well, I have some online friends." And then in panel three, he's crying, and he says, "Okay, I have no online friends." And Garfield's hilarious uh, uh, rejoinder in thought is kind of like your offline life, and I sort of wondered. Okay, number one, Jim Davis is like a thousand years old and a baby boomer and probably is, doesn't appreciate any of this. And also like by 2017, just has an intern write this shit. But, um, <laughs> but like also, like we don't care about authorial intent. There's kind of a sense where John Arbuckle is already behind the time. Like, yes, yeah, 2017, there's no distinction. This between... looks like a cartoon that could have been put out in like 1998. <laughs> You know, like really yeah. got mail yeah. came down out the, in 1998, <laughs> and like people were doing this 20 years earlier of having online friends, <laughs> and like the you know really talking about this boundary between the online and offline world. Like this is this is in some ways we're time traveling, but in some ways we're not because it's a cartoon that's of its time, and its time is not actually 2017. 
Yeah, I mean, yes. it's like, yeah, it's time is like 1979. <laughs> this really has not changed its ethos that much. I mean, this is maybe true so much for the cartoon in general. <laughs> yeah, so it's the cartoon in general. Yeah, I, 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 well, a lot of people don't know. Very early on in Garfield, uh, John Arbuckle is on the ARPANET. Um, like a lot of the Garfields are about the ARPANET. We're way more than you'd think. <laughs> Well, and that's that's actually really interesting because it's <laughs> if John Arbuckle was on the ARPANET, he should have had lots of online friends. Why is he saying this in 2017? Like he keeps getting like reinvented and like re recreating what's in his head every couple of years. Because if he was on the ARPANET, he would have been that kind of old internet person joining it to like make friends. That's that's not a statement that somebody who was on the ARPANET says in 2017. Because <laughs> like, I've met people like this and this is not how they talk. No. But like, does that mean that Jim yeah. Davis was on the ARPANET in, back in the day? I, 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 John, I turned, I turned to your wisdom for the connections of the, the Garfield Industrial Complex. Well, I, okay, so you got, okay, Jim Davis. Oh, because uh, I made up a thing and I'm yeah, just hoping you made up a thing, you're hoping I can, to help I, can, me. I can continue, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wonder if there isn't like, I, there's a lot of regional, like weird eccentricities in Jim Davis's writing, I feel like. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I, you know, I obviously I'm unqualified to speak about them, but I do anyway, because I do a podcast. I mean, uh, <laughs> more qualified than any other of the Garfield experts that I don't know. Yes. <laughs> oh, you haven't been on the Daily Garf cast I, yet? I, uh, oh, well, I just I subscribed to, to Lingthusiasm. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lingthusiasm is going to become a Garfield podcast now. I thought that's the contract that I made yeah. you into. <laughs> that's fine. That's, the blood that's, pack. The more the merrier, made together. Um, But There's a lot of weird, uh, uh, um, like, kind of off- I almost want to say language like like in, he refers in B, to in B, uh, Jim Davis is from Muncie, Indiana. Yes. Okay. Um, and I don't know if this is I don't know, like the one that I'm thinking of is, is he uses the word sandbox to refer to the litter box, hmm. which I, okay. I've never heard until I started reading Garfield seriously as an adult. Because <laughs> I read it as a kid until you now I'm reading Garfield critically. Career. Yeah. 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 And well, it just I'm, like it's it's over and over again. He uses that word. I thought that was an old fashioned thing. I could be wrong. I didn't take that as like a Hoosier uh, vocabulary. I could be wrong. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. So I did a certain amount of research uh, for this episode, um, which consisted <laughs> of the absolute bare minimum for a linguist of taking advantage of my institutional uh, Oxford English Dictionary <laughs> subscription to look up uh, quotes in the Oxford English Dictionary that are attributed to Jim Davis, where they're using him, they're using Garfield strips as the uh, like examples in hmm. OED definitions. And uh, one of the things that I find really interesting is that, so first of all, very clearly what happened, because I, I know lexicographers and I know how they work, very clearly what happened is that some lexicographer read this one compilation of Garfield <laughs> strips and used it as a bunch of example sentences. They didn't mine all of the Garfield strips and just start putting them in wherever. They read this one compilation, Garfield Who's Talking, that came out in 1984, and that's the one that appears in several different wow. Because you can back search OED for uh, quotations from a specific author, and all of the Jim Davis Garfield quotes in OED are from this one compilation. So Wait, that's a sad choice. With that. 
This is a field of study that like it could deserve a lot more attention. <laughs> I want to preface it with, um, there's so Corey Stamper, who is a lexicographer at Merriam-Webster, she has this great book called Word by Word, uh, where she talks about the process of being a lexicographer and how they, you know, go looking for words and quotations. And I feel quite confident, not knowing who this lexicographer was, that somebody just read this one book. Um, this is also <laughs> why, incidentally, uh, a lot of people think that like Shakespeare invented all of these these words because like the earliest lexicographers didn't have the internet, right? It was like oh. before the internet. What they had was like the books that happened to be in their library and all of their libraries had Shakespeare in them. So they were able to, like Shakespeare was the oldest book a lot of them had. Oh, and so the right. fact that they found this in Shakespeare is because they had access to Shakespeare and they didn't have like the collected volume of Christopher Marlowe. So like if the oldest <laughs> book you have is Garfield Rolls On. You're just, just going to assume all these words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all these words totally come from sense. Garfield Rolls On. And the other thing that I find really interesting about these citations. So uh, one of them is for blow in the sense of to depart, especially suddenly from. Oh. In the US, it was just labeled US slang in OED. And so the quotation here is, let's blow this joint, Garfield. Hang <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, which feels like slang of a very specific era. Um, it does. And then another of these words is mush in the figurative, usually derogatory sense, a confused muddle, an incoherent jumble of thoughts and ideas, speech or writing characterized by feeble or cloying sentimentality, which is also from Garfield, Who's Talking, 1984. Oh no, my legs are turning to jelly. My mind is turning to mush. <laughs> and this feels like they have this like examples of very specific colloquial usage of this this kind of particular era. It it does sound very 1950s, 60s slang, uh maybe appearing later on, but sort of that's clearly Jim Davis's formative years. And wow. Yeah. I just like, Googled let's blow this joint Garfield. And apparently <laughs> Jim Davis used that line a lot. Because it comes up in several different books. Amazing. Amazing. There should be a whole like, collected volume that's just, let's blow this joint Garfield of all of the strips <laughs> that, that say this. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not, let's blow this popsicle stand. And I really feel like that's, yeah. I don't know, maybe more of a that's like, the one I usually peanuts hear. thing. Is that, is that from Peanuts? Um, it may be. I, it's a more enjoyable, <laughs> yeah. it's a more enjoyable line by far. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and I should be saying, like, this is not, it's not that Garfield is like the first citation for this. It's just that it's sort of one in this list. And they like to try to get one from like every decade or so that it's used just so you can kind of track what the usage is like. So they're just trying to like make sure they get a bit of a chronology. So there are other, other people as well. Nobody that I've heard of in these citations. Oh, well, yeah. There's, yeah. <laughs> they probably also want to use like the most like broad, like common kind of. Uh, examples of it they can find. So like a there's no, there's a nothing common about Garfield, John. It's highly elite. Commonplace. Commonplace. Easily available and well I mean okay you well, clearly well haven't read Jim Davis's esoteric works. <laughs> <laughs> the Garfield Deep uh, Cuts edition. Yeah. The, the Garfield by what, Hermes Trismegistus. Is that the correct line? <laughs> Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think there's like, it's 
but, but I, there is there is a sense in which there's a certain kind of mainstreamization that lexicographers are looking for mm. when you're adding a word to a dictionary mm. because like say i coin a word um I can't just be like, I coined this word, please add it to Oxford or Merriam-Webster or whatever. They're like, no, that's just you. <laughs> and even if I coined this word and my five friends start using it because they think it's cool, they're like, no, this is an in-joke. If you want this word to get added to a dictionary, you need to have it like published in multiple places by like not just one author. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like even if you have something like, oh, I invented a word like, I don't know, like your Tolkien and you invented something like hmm. Sauron or something, you you don't personally get to have that added unless other authors start picking up picking you up on it. Right. That, that one didn't get added until uh, Star Trek Generations came out because they had the vi the villain had the same name. <laughs> See, there we go. Right. <laughs> yeah, but like that's you all, don't. All it takes to be a word, John. <laughs> it's like, well, and that's a proper name, so it's a bit of a different example, or like I don't know, something like a Trithid or something. It, it has to appear like... in bo both a sci-fi and a fantasy word. <laughs> oh, actually, oh, here's a good one. Ansible. Ansible is a really good idea. Oh. So that was invented and by. But it's it's in several it... different. It's like Le Guin uses it. Okay. Um, it's in Enderspeed. Oh. It's used as this sort of like faster than light communication device that's just like used in several different sci-fi books. And so because it's gotten sort of picked up by the genre, you can now use Ansible, and it's probably in. I haven't checked. It's probably in OED, or if it isn't, it'll be in some yeah. future update. Because it's multiple authors that use it. Whereas like if I just yeah. invent something for my personal use, it's like no, that's just your thing. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want um, I, I, I to be careful about your time, Gretchen, but I wanted to ask mm -hmm. you one other thing about this particular strip. And that sure. is the third panel, Garfield's line, kind of like your offline life. There's no mm -hmm. terminal period there. Ah. And I started looking, Jim Davis, I, I'm, I'm interested to be corrected on this, but Jim okay. Davis, like a lot of cartoonists, punctuates as if he's in a chat room. Like he'll and add questions. Use the terminal period. Yeah, like he uses a line break, or in this mm -hmm. case, like a speech bubble break or thought bubble mm -hmm. break, um, instead of a terminal period. He uses a lot of exclamation marks, question marks, um, mm -hmm. a lot of ellipses, or dot dot dot. All, dots all the favorites are in there. Yeah, all the favorites, <laughs> but no terminal period. No terminal period. That's really. Oh God, I want to do this corpus study now, uh, <laughs> because so. The one thing I can say off the top of my head about terminal periods in comics is from XKCD, which mm -hmm. does use terminal periods. Um, and this is going to sound like a massive flex, and I'm really sorry. Uh, <laughs> but I was in XKCD. Were you? Oh. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it was very exciting. Um, and the the fun thing was is people were like, "Oh, wait, you can tell that Randall Monroe's read your book because he gave your character specifically and only your character no terminal periods and all the other characters do that." <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Which is I didn't even notice. It's such a deep cut. That is super cool. Um, because if, and then I went back and I started noticing this in in previous XACD strips of like, "Oh, yeah, all of these characters are speaking with terminal periods, but it's really interesting to me that Jim Davis, which is, you know, definitely an earlier cartoon than XKCD as a webcomic, mm -hmm. is not using terminal periods. So, so can I, what can would I ask happen you to... if you looked at like all of the different comics and which ones do and which ones don't and like what does this tell you about how online the authors are or something? That's interesting. Can I ask you to step back just a second? Like what's the, because most of our listeners are like in their 60s or 70s or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, why are all these young people not using terminal periods when they, when so, they text me? 
I think it's it's a lot like this use in the comic where you have other ways of indicating that a, a message is being broken up. So, you know, in a comic, you have a speech cartoon and the speech bubble itself or the line break itself in the comic is enough to be like, here's a new message, here's a new message. It's in a new panel, it's in a new speech bubble. And so you don't need a period to convey that there's a new message coming here. Um, and similarly, if you're sending a text, you can send a new line or you can send a new message and you don't need the period to convey that a new message is being sent there. And whereas in an offline context, you run out of space on the paper eventually, right? And so you want to kind of conserve space in the periods of very economical way of breaking up a new message. Uh, whereas in the electronic context, you're not going to like run out of pixels the way you run out of paper if you send a message break. So you see sort of paragraphs getting shorter in general because it is easier to read if you have shorter lines. Um, and one of those things is using the message break or the line break to, to break up messages. And whereas the, the older generation version of that is using either period or dot, 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 a lot of dot, dot, dots, a lot of dashes. And you can see the dot, dot, dot and the dashes uh, as a message break thing show up in like handwritten postcards and like handwritten or typewritten recipe cards. Uh, there's this great example from one of the Beatles from George Harrison where he has this dot 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 going in his like handwritten postcard to his dad and when you transcribe it it looks like a text from an older person it just has this exact <laughs> sort of punctuation format and I find this so cool because it's it's a systematic thing that people are doing with using the dot 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 of importing the norms of casual communication from a different context, which is postcards, which are kind of similar to text messages. If you think about it, like they're short, they're, you know, like they, they, they're quick, they're, here are all these things. Uh, and so you, you're kind of importing one set of norms from to another. Um, whereas for younger people, they're using the period or the dot, dot, dot as an indicator that there's sort of a note of finality if it's a period or that there's something being left unsaid if it's a dot, dot, dot. So if you say like, hey, are you ready to go? And someone says, okay, dot, dot, dot. For one generation, that's casual. And that's like, yeah, I'm just showing that I'm not standing on ceremony by using formal punctuation. And for another generation, that's like, okay, but there's something I left unsaid. Maybe I'm mad at you. Or I have some sort of reservation about not thinking it's actually okay. And so- I would definitely I, interpret it as the latter. Yeah, <laughs> if, there's like, not. like if I was like, hey, Chris, do you want to record tonight? And he was like, okay. Well, and may, <laughs> so like, forgive me, may I jump in? Because uh, yeah. you might not know. Um, I'm about five, John and I are cousins. I'm about five years older. I was born in 77, John, in March 77. John was born in 1982. Nobody knows the month. No one knows. It's, no. on, it's lost to time. <laughs> I, it, in many respects, like that's a that's a pretty tight, you know, yeah. close to the same age. I think we have very similar outlooks, similar life experience, blah, 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 blah. Occasionally, <laughs> I feel this enormous gulf between <laughs> us. And, and again, thank you to Gretchen. Uh, people should buy this, this book because internet 2019. Um, a lot of, when I read that book, I was like, oh, J like John's full internet and I'm not quite, like I'm just <laughs> on the edge. Like, because and did you, um, John, like, I graduated high school in, in 95. I graduated yeah. in 99, well, like I didn't we, have that stuff until we, later. We had like America Online, I think when I was in, mm -hmm. I don't know, middle school. I, I remember but chatting just a on a little bit younger AM and ICQ. Um, but I do remember like, you know, a time before the internet. Yeah, I mean, it's like, so do I, but, uh, it, and do you, uh, uh, 
Chris, Christopher, uh, do yeah, you uh, like when do you, what do you remember when you got online? Like what 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 was that moment for you? It, it was definitely high school, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But really, like socially online wasn't until college because like high mm-hmm. school my friends weren't really online. And so like, why am I, I can just go see them. Like by the time it came right. out, I was, I was a mobile, some of my, I didn't have a car, but some of my friends could drive. And so we were like on the phone. Right. And, and so it sounds and like you, I'm a thousand years old now. No, no, no. But like, <laughs> and you could have, if, if you had joined the internet then it would have been to connect with people beyond your local circumstances exactly. and like make online friends like John Arbuckle is failing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and exactly. <laughs> instead you're like, no, but I like, I already have friends. But if you've been five years younger, you would have, been joining the internet be, to connect with your local friends. Exactly. And that's why like kids yeah. these days don't care as much about getting a driver's license because they can just text each other. Yeah. And they don't I didn't that start thing. I didn't start hanging out online until I went to college because you know I was very fortunate, got to go somewhere else, you know, away from home for college. Mm-hmm. And so all my friends were spread out around, you know, different places. And suddenly we needed to hang out online. Like we needed to be online to communicate. And so, yeah, I sometimes, I really do feel that gulf sometimes, John. And, th- and that uh, reading well, Because Internet was like, oh. It's just I feel like, like that's only flipped. part of it. Like, there's also the fact that you're not into Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. You're a better, you're, you're a better person <laughs> I, than I am. I am a better am. person a, than you are not because a jerk. of that. That's, I mean, there's a lot of... <laughs> but I, but I, I think, yeah, I think that's one of the interesting <laughs> points of like, some people read Because Internet, they're like, oh, I've got to change everything. Like, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to just like, no, it, it's, it's, it's fine. All of these are okay. What's, what's really nice is just being more aware that these are things that people can vary on. And here's mm-hmm. what someone might mean if they're saying this, because it's, it's okay to have different ways of communicating, but sometimes it can create differences if you're not aware of like, this is what someone else means. Cause like, it'd be a boring world if yeah. we're all the same. It, it Absolutely. Really, it gave me a lot of, uh, I really appreciated this. Like I have a son who's 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And when, when, again, I had to read about it in your book, cause I just like, I wasn't picking up on it. The, the final period thing, like in texting, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, like this means if I don't use a final period just to indicate the end of a sentence, I can use it to indicate tone. Mm-hmm. I can just, my son's name is Tilo, yeah. T-I-L-O. I can text just Tilo period. And he knows. <laughs> Yeah. He knows he knows he's, he's done. <laughs> and that's like an amazing, like uh, expressive potential of the period. Like I lo- I'm so excited yeah, about that. Yeah, it, it, it unlocks <laughs> this whole universe of being able to do cool, expressive things in writing that, you know, formerly you had to have professionals do because the average person wasn't doing that much writing. But now it's like, oh, we can all be this interesting and engaging. And so I just think it's great. <laughs> Viva la difference, right? Yeah, like <laughs> it's really boring if everyone's the same. Absolutely. Um, so I, I really appreciated having you on. Don't want to don't want to keep you uh, keep you late. I I will close with a question, and you don't have to sure. respond. Um, but this was a thing that, as I was thinking about this Garfield and the Garfields in general. Oh, also, he's using shouty caps. Um, which is interesting. A lot of the well, comic strips use shouty caps. I mean, what's Gary interesting Larson is that weird. I don't necessarily parse these caps as shouting. I don't, they don't seem shouting. I just parse it as like comic convention, right? Mm, because yeah. like, I, and a lot of it. comics, even even modern day web comics, you know, even XKCD, which you talked about, yep. it you just uses caps the whole time. Mm. And it's still a web comic, but it doesn't feel like it's shouting at me. Yeah, that's so, true. I, and 
this is this is something interesting that we sort of miss in the all caps discourse <laughs> is <laughs> like you, you can just get me started on any of these topics and i'm like you know here's the whole chapter um, i warned you we can talk about this all the, night i know you have stuff to do yeah yeah this is so but like block capitals which is what people formerly called all caps mm -hmm. and all caps comes in as a term for them around this internet period when they start meaning shouting block mm. capitals used to mean shouting People mm. use them, especially in hand lettering context, to be more clear. So there's this like architectural or engineering or medical use of all caps to, or like you still sometimes see this on forms, right? Like please fill out this form in block, block capitals because it's supposed to be easier to read because people's handwriting doesn't get as smushed together. And I think that's probably where cartoonist capitals came from mm. because if you're hand lettering all the capitals, I know now they have like custom fonts that are sort of based off the handwriting, but originally if they're hand lettering the comics and they want to make sure that they're very clear and easy to read that would be my guess for where cartoonist mm. block capitals come from because like there's still a use of all capitals that just mean like this is a title text or this is emphatic text like i have a dictionary sitting out here myself and it says dictionary in all caps but it's not shouting at me <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you know Roger's thesaurus it's not shouting at me it's just this is, this is a thesaurus Oxford dictionary no it's just it's just there um or similarly like if you go to a grocery store and you buy a can of beans or something and it says beans in all caps it's not like beans beans it's just <laughs> this is title case Okay, but like if you're at the supermarket and you don't feel like the food is shouting at you, you might you might just not be as greedy as I am. I feel that way all the time, honestly. I mean, the lasagna is shouting at Garfield. <laughs> um, we know that. But the, the, I see. I don't think of the lasagna as shouting so much as maybe like being seductive towards Garfield. You know, like, hey, moaning. hey, fella, you wanna you wanna have God, a God, the sad thing is, I think both those things have happened in the Garfields at some point. <laughs> I'm pretty sure both of the like we're not we're only really in our regular sequence up to 1982. We've got a long way to go yet. But are we in 1983, John? We're in 1982. We're at, we're in December 82. Okay, yeah, close enough. Um. I, I, I don't want to hold you too long. The thing I was curious about um, is when I look at the, the text of this, it's you, you make the really interesting distinction uh, with internet writing as being like informal writing, which mm -hmm. this incredible efflorescence of informal writing is sort of like you've got informal speech, informal speech, you've got formal writing, but inform, informal writing sort of flowers in the internet what Jim Davis is doing here, like it's, there's an informal style. Garfield says yeah. kind of like your offline life. He's, he's mimicking informal speech and comics in general have kind of a vernacular character. They're not high culture, yeah. and, and but it's also like produced and disseminated top down. You know, it's like, it's, what is it? Yeah, it's, it's a great <laughs> question. And I mean, like all dichotomies, informal versus formal is really a sure. continuum. So I think, you know, the like, it, it, there it is a sort of interestingly complicated question, and, it, and it's kind of this mediated informality because, like, here you have Oxford English Dictionary using Garfield as well. This is where you get like blow this joint, which is sort of a vernacular <laughs> type of phrase that you're not going to find necessarily on the pages of the New York Times or in like a serious book of serious literature, except maybe in dialogue. Like, it is a very dialogic phrase. It's not like 
something you put in a formal essay, even, even now, even though it's not new slang. So you do see it using Garfield as a place to find citations of informal language. But it's also mediated because as you say, like it goes through an editor, it's type, it's proofread, it's it's got all this stuff going on. I think of it as kind of like like slang terms that get put in dialogue on TV shows. <laughs> right? So like if you have something that's like a reality TV show or something where you're you're filming the characters and maybe you're editing them together, but you're not scripting them. But if you're scripting dialogue on, you know, friends or you know, like a sit, you know, sitcom. Seinfeld or something, you're scripting dialogue and you might be putting current slang in the mouths of those characters, but you're still sort of scripting it. So it's got that sort of like, okay, yeah, you want them to talk like people and not like books. So you are trying to make it the sort of informal variety, but you're also, you're still scripting it. And it's still right. actually going through like mm-hmm. the hands of a bunch of scriptwriters and editors and production things and the actors pro- producing it not necessarily the same way that the writer intended it and you have all of these sorts of layers to it and I think it's it's interesting because we would have called this informal speech and informal writing in the pre-internet era mm. right it was what we thought of as informal because it wasn't trying to be sort of fancy and it was sort of trying to use vernacular things and now we've opened up this other door further on the informal axis where it's not even edited and it's not even scripted and it's not even you know produced and so it's it's definitely like a step down the informal axis just we open up this other door further down here on the informal spectrum that's even more informal and speaking of content that is neither scripted nor edited nor produced (laughs) you've been listening to being jim davis when life hands you lemons make a daily garfield recap podcast (laughs) Um, you can find us at www.beingjimdavis.com where listeners, I hasten to remind you, you can just click the host our podcast link and sign up to be a guest host on this podcast. If you've always wanted to tell someone I've hosted a podcast that Gretchen McCulloch has also hosted, (laughs) like your choices are this one and also the Ezra Klein show. I'm sorry, we don't do guest hosts on (laughs) Lingthusiasm. That's probably wise. You never know who you're going to, honestly, you never know who you're going to get. We we have Ezra coming on next week, right, Chris? Uh, Honest, I'm so tired of that. (laughs) It's Um, been a whole back and forth. (laughs) um, And and listeners, uh, uh, for real, really recommend the book Because Internet by Gretchen McCulloch. I, I loved it and probably enjoyed hearing her talk and you should buy it it's mostly about garfield <laughs> entirely 100 about garfield <laughs> um and also the podcast enthusiasm which is fantastic also yeah. garfield podcast also yeah it's basically <laughs> one of the many all garfield content podcasts. is garfield content I mean, yeah all people are jim this, I, i've just entered like being john malkovich but for garfield <laughs> wait wait it's all garfield Always has been. <laughs> You're drowning in it. Um, but thank, thank you so much for coming on. Would I know I was not Jim Davis? Am I adrift in an endless sea of doubt where I can't even trust my senses? Slave to the drowning weight of solipsism, baby.
This podcast was brought to you by the Pitch Drop Podcast Network. Like what you just heard? Support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash pitch drop. And while you're at it, check out pitchdrop.net for more of this and other shows.